Hi. Welcome to the CGW Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Tyler Mislachuk from Oak Bluff. He's in Japan because he just won one of the biggest triathlon races in the world. Enormous. A year out from the Olympics. Just a great story. Also, we'll talk to Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles football team, as their season is about to get underway. And with the Western Canada Summer Games wrapping up Sunday, our last chance to check in with a couple coaches from the rowing team that have Olympic hardware to show for their efforts in the past. That's on the podcast. Without further ado, we are heading to Japan now for this leading story on our show as Tyler Mislachuk etched his name into the history books. First Canadian man to win a World Triathlon Series race after taking down the best names in the sport at the Olympic test event in Tokyo overnight. And Tyler joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Congratulations, Tyler. How do you feel today? Uh, I feel pretty tired, to be honest. It's it's morning here in Japan, so I've just woken up and went for a little jog. And yeah, my body's definitely fleeing the race yesterday. That's, that's no doubt. So you won a triathlon yesterday, and then you just got up and ran anyway? Yeah, uh, I have a few screws loose. I think everyone does to, to do this crazy sport. Uh, but yeah, we're so used to training that we have to get up and kind of have the body almost moving. It's different than than uh, the average person, I would say. So yeah, take me through the recovery process. We'll talk about your win in a second, but what is the recovery process the day after a triathlon for you? Yeah, well, like, uh, it's pretty wild because obviously uh, as soon as you're done a race like that, obviously we have drug testing. So I was actually in drug testing for seven hours yesterday after my race. Uh, You know, my mom was calling like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because obviously I don't have a a phone or anything with me. So, you know, that stuff isn't, isn't the most fun, but obviously it's great to, great to have a clean sport and do that stuff. But so it's kind of delayed there and come back, have a massage. Main thing is get a good feed, get a good burger and beer. And that's, that's always my go-to. So you spend, instead of, you know, celebrating, you eventually do, but you have to spend just hours sitting, waiting for the drug testing? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it happens in almost every race. Uh, it, it, it's great because it does, you know, make sure that we do have a clean sport. But sometimes, you know, you just want to get home and uh, just like everyone, but uh, you can't do it without one or, one or the other. Right. Tell us about your win yesterday and this test event in Tokyo. This is going to be the the same course that will be at the Olympics next year. Yeah, so it's uh, the exact course, and it, it's one of the most challenging Olympic courses I think we've had. Uh, the weather here is extremely hot. Uh, next year is predicted around forty degrees Celsius mm. uh, with humidity, uh, and the water temperature is thirty degrees. Yesterday we had a bit of a cooler day, so it was. Uh, the water was 30 and we had about 30, 30 degrees only with humidity, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, if you want to perform at any race, uh, you want to do it one year out on the course that you're going to be racing next year for the Olympics. So did you go into the race yesterday kind of with that in mind? Yeah, totally. Uh, like when I sat down with my coach at the beginning of the year, uh, this is no, no doubt the most important race of the year and probably the most important race outside of the Olympics. Uh, everyone wants to test the course and test how their preparations have gone. You know, some people go back to the drawing board and, and change things. And for us, there's not, there's not a, there's not a ton to change. You know, there's fine tuning, but obviously what we've done has worked. All the best guys in the world are here. You know, there's a few guys missing uh, from the start list, but uh, you know, 99% of them are here. So it's pretty crazy. So how is that for your confidence then a year out for the Olympics? Um, 
you know, triathlon has a funny way, and just like every sport, you know, whether it's a game, you, you can be humbled very quickly. So, you know, take this with stride. Uh, it's just like it's just like hockey. You go out and have a have a great, you know, ten game winning streak, and all it takes is one big loss to kind of uh, you know take you down a notch. So, uh, I'm pretty, you know, like I'll enjoy this one, no doubt. This is this is the biggest moment in my sporting career, and you know, it may 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 be the biggest moment in my sporting career ever. So. You never, you never know what's next, and I'll definitely enjoy this one and uh, won't take it for granted, that's for sure. So the process of the race, you swim, then you bike, then you run. What's your strongest uh, of the three? Um, definitely the run. Uh, I grew up uh, playing hockey, but we were kind of forced to run cross-country as cross-trading, so I always had a little bit of running. Swimming, swimming was something that I didn't come naturally, and uh, yesterday out on the course, we worked as a team, uh, Team Canada, so I had a little bit of help out there. Some, uh, some of my teammates uh, on the bike, which made a big difference. And yeah, I couldn't have done it without them, really. So when you're in the water and on the bike, how important is pacing and keeping maybe close to the front, knowing that your strongest discipline is coming up at the end with the run? Yeah, for me, uh, I mean, everyone's racing is, is different. But for me, it's staying in the race, staying in the race, you know, as close to the front as you can until the run. Um, and for me, even staying in the race until the last 50 meters yesterday, uh, we, I, I won the race in the last hundred meters. I was running with two other guys and with a hundred meters left, started pumping my arms and didn't know I probably won until 50 meters left. So it's two hours of racing and it came down to the last, you know, 50 meters. This racing so tight. That's gotta be kind of wearisome if you're second or third after that. No. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been on both sides of it and, uh, to be honest, I would have been happy with any place on the podium yesterday. It was, uh, was something that I, you know, you dream of as a kid, not only to, you know, be competing at the Olympics, which I've done once, but to now like say that you're, you know, truly a medal, medal contender for next year. Uh, it's good and bad. It puts a big target on my back <laughs> going into the games next year. Obviously if you win the Olympic test event, uh, and you're racing there a year later, everyone's going to be kind of, you know, looking at you or targeting you in a race. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll take that with stride. So what's next for you, Tyler, just in the immediate future. And then I guess over the next 10 months, as you gear up for Tokyo 2020. Yeah, I've got, uh, the grand final. So the final race of the, the WPS series, uh, in two weeks in Lausanne, Switzerland, and then I'll kind of wind down. I'll do a bit of fun racing in, uh, in Europe and then, you know, come, make my way back to Winnipeg for a little bit of a holiday and break and some time with the family and friends. So that's that's the immediate future, and obviously, bigger picture is uh, uh, getting ready for for Tokyo next year. Uh, everything will be focused around you know trying to get a medal, uh, trying to t- take a take a step on the the top. So uh, it'll it'll be tough, but it's uh, 12 months away now. When was the last time you were home? Uh, I was home in all of uh, all of June. I actually prepared uh, for WTS Montreal. So we're actually lucky enough to have, there's seven races across the globe in the year. And we're lucky to have uh, two in Canada. So I prepared at home with, I brought a few training partners from uh, all around the world, Australia, Ireland. And we all lived at my house and uh, prepared. And that was actually the first WTS medal by a Canadian man. So I took that step and now this step. So it's just, uh, it's been an incredible year. I'm really grateful. How's the food in Japan for you? Uh, I, I love Japanese food food so uh i think uh, i've been having a, a lot of ramen uh which which is one of my favorite foods and i think tomorrow night we'll uh we'll go out as a team and there's a nice uh nice steak restaurant nearby so i think that will be our 
our pick. Treat yourself. Good. I just want to ask you about the heat. You mentioned how hot it was just in the water and in the air. Do you thrive in the heat? Yeah, it's funny because I come from Winnipeg, so yeah. you think that it would be the opposite. Um, but I'm a smaller guy. I mean, my body fat sits around 4 or 5%, and you know, leaner guys don't do as well because you don't have as much insulation. Right, okay. Well, uh, I wish you all the best, Tyler. Congratulations again on this, and uh, we'll check in with you later down the road. Enjoy this win and as you uh, prepare for the grand final. Thanks for taking the time for the call. Appreciate it. Western Canada Summer Games continue in Swift Current through Sunday, and earlier today I had the chance to catch up with Team Manitoba rowing coach Janine Stevens and assistant Megan Montgomery. Janine, a two-time Olympian, 2012 silver medalist. Megan, a three-time Paralympian and 2016 bronze medalist, started our chat by asking Megan why she wanted to get into coaching. I guess it's in my blood in a lot of ways. My dad was a, a coach. Um, he was also a teacher, and I'm a teacher. Um, for me, it's just kind of the next thing to do. I, I love sport, so it, um, it's important for me to be able to give back. Why did you get into rowing in the first place? Great question. I really shouldn't have with uh, being born with only uh, three fingers on my right hand. Um, I guess I kind of was looking for something challenging. I played basketball and volleyball, and no one ever told me I couldn't do those things. Uh, And I sort of thought someone might say I couldn't when I started rowing, but um, instead I found a really welcoming community at the Winnipeg Rowing Club and um, a really wonderful group of friends and um, a great sport. So it, it was addicting, the friendship support everything how about you janine why did you get into rowing um well someone asked me at karate class my first day to give the new sport a try and it was not something i had really knew anything about um i had more played basketball in high school and for me it was when i started rowing i mean every stroke when you watch it on tv looks really easy but there's there's so many technical aspects about it that you never get bored because you're always thinking about you're usually more overwhelmed than you are bored. Cause there's just so many things to be thinking about every stroke that it takes that you take. So it's a good opportunity to just always to be working on something to find something better. And Janine, for those of us who haven't spent much time rowing in our lives, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like myself who have not, what are some of the things that are on your mind when you're in the water like that? Well, one of the things is the boats are very tippy. Um, So there's a huge balance aspect involved that you actually can't practice on land. Uh, The main thing that people know is, you know, the rowing machine with the fan at the gym and and the mechanics of that. But just the pattern of the stroke of, you know, getting your hands out and straight before you start bending your knees. Usually at the gym, people just move the handle up and over their knees. But when you're on the water, if you lift your hands over your knees, then your blade actually hits the water and then bangs off your knees. And so it's just some of those things that once people know what they're doing, they make it look so effortless. Um, it really takes a while to wrap your brain around the patterning of the movement and then the balance aspect of it. And then there's, you know, you add a different person to the mix and you're rowing with someone new and that's a whole new area of challenges. So it's just, there's, there's always some place to improve and something to think about. I'll ask this question to both of you. First, you, Megan, what was it like being able to travel the world, go to Olympics with rowing? Oh, um, it's hard to describe. First, like representing your country is, um, is such an honor. Um, getting to see the world and uh, be surrounded by 
um, really strong athletes is also another honor and um, such a privilege. And the Paralympic Games were um, uh, really eye-opening to me. Um, as someone who grew up with a very minor disability, um, it, it just opened the door to, to, or opened my eyes, I should say, to disability, but also opened doors to other um, aspects of sport that I had never considered. And, um, yeah, just an area of, of life that um, I think we should be more aware about. And, yeah, uh, it was, it's it's privilege and a joy. Yeah, so you went to Beijing, London, and Rio, and you got Canada's first ever medal in para rowing, a bronze medal. What was that moment like? Oh, I it's so cliche, but it's hard to put it in words. Um, you know, we trained hard for it. It was one of my favorite years of prep. Um, for games and um, I had a really special crew so to be able to do it with them and um, um, uh, yeah it's really hard to describe <laughs> it's such an honor um, you, you work so hard for it and um, you know the competition is tough and it got more and more um, tough as the games went on and just to know that we were raising our bar um, and it continues to raise uh, is is really in- interesting and um yeah it's really hard to describe i'm sorry <laughs> that's all right janine same to you you went to the olympics twice you won a silver in 2012 and london was what was that like um it was amazing again like megan had said it's, it's the crew dynamics that i think makes the some of those races so special um but for me like when we talk about racing for canada i just think the power of sport is so incredible um, and I, I get super emotional and teary-eyed at some things. Like yesterday, we were at the volleyball game. But when I, it always thinks, I always think back to, you know, when I was pushing off the dock and preparing for an race at an Olympics or even a World Championship. Regardless of where we were, my, I feel like my parents just traveled the world supporting me, and they would always be in the stands. And some parents would come down and yell at us on our warm-up, and I always told them like. I, I'm already emotional that the fact that I, you know, have Canada on my back and I'm pushing off the dock to represent our country. If you yell at me, I will fully break down into tears. So I need you to just know that I appreciate you being here and please cheer during my race. But I can't take the cheering in the warm up time. Where do you so keep your where do you keep your silver medal? Well, I don't know. What if someone breaks into my house and steals it? Okay, fair <laughs> How enough. Do I tell you? <laughs> okay okay it's under lock and key somewhere right in a safe place okay fair enough fair enough i'll start with you megan just i guess people don't always think of rowing when they're thinking of sports it's more of a every four years summer olympics we're aware of it and then we kind of forget about it but this is a one of many great team sports yeah it really is um i currently live on the west coast so um, it's a predominant sport. In fact, um, when I lived in Winnipeg, I often said that people often approach me and say, oh, you must play volleyball or, or basketball. But it's funny, on the West Coast, it's like, oh, you must row. So out there, it's a little bit more um, more known, well-known. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not in Manitoba, that's for sure. And but Jan- we are working. Yeah, and Janine, just the, the idea of the team aspect of this sport, how much camaraderie is there in rowing? Oh, it's great, actually. I mean, the idea of trying to get, whether it's two, four, or eight people moving at the exact same time doing the exact same thing, you really have to be sort of in tune with what's happening with the person behind you, with in front of you. The the people who are more advanced can really, there's a lot more of 
feeling involved and letting the boat work for you and just allowing that sort of feeling to come. So if you were to row with your eyes closed, you can feel what's happening around you. Whereas a lot of the the newer rowers and a lot of the athletes we're dealing with here at these games are quite new. Um, they're still very much in the, you know, learning and thinking about all of the movements and not, and not quite to that feeling stage. But when you can get in a, a good boat and get with a crew and just be sort of feeling what's happening, it's pretty awesome. Would you rather be a rower or a coxswain? A rower. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you say that? Well, there's more opportunity to race. and Well, in Manitoba, we, and at this, these Western Canada Summer Games, we only have one event with a coxswain. Um, and so you, get, it, you have more opportunity. There's like there's sweep rowing where you only have one or any chance or one or total. And then there's sculling where you have one or any chance to each person has two. So there's just more, there's, there's more opportunity. I mean, the, the work, the physical work involved in a 2000 meter race um, is something that you can't quite replicate. I'm, I don't know if you can replicate and, and so it's, it's a pretty incredible feeling pushing yourself just to the physical limits. And it's so much more mental in the second half of those two 2K races that uh, the coxswain usually is quite important in those races when they are there because they're keeping everyone on the same page and keeping everyone engaged once their brains shut off in the second half. Um, but it is pretty awesome being a rower. So I'll leave you with this, just the idea that you participated in the Canada Games all the way back in 2001. Now you're coaching in the Western Canada Summer Games in 2019. Does it feel like it's kind of come full circle for you both? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and we hope there's more to come to for the two of us and Team Toba. It's worked better than we ever could have dreamed. It's been so fun working together. Well, I appreciate you both taking time to talk to me. Best of luck throughout the rest of the Western Canada Summer Games here with Team Manitoba. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, the Winnipeg Rifles kick off. The countdown is on less than two days Less than 48 hours until the kickoff, 1 p.m. on Sunday against the Saskatoon Hilltops. And I'm joined by head coach Jordy Wilson. Jordy, how are you doing tonight? Excited about this, the big game coming up Sunday? It's almost Christmas, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're out on the field right now getting ready? I am. Yeah, I just stepped off on the sideline right now, but uh, the boys are working hard behind me here, yeah. I appreciate you taking time to do this. So what has the last, uh, I guess, the last week been like for you as you gear up for the season opener? It's really exciting. I mean, we had a great training camp for two weeks. We had our, uh, our black and white uh, scrimmage on Saturday. So it was a, basically a mock game. So we had a full full special with everything and whatnot. It was good. And this week you can you can feel the intensity of the players. That, that stuff's over with. And now we're fired up and uh, ready to rock here with uh, Saskatoon. We talked about this last time you were here, but just reiterate this, the fact that you're starting the season against the defending champs. Well, these are the big dogs, right? So, I mean, this is the equivalent, like I say, of the New England Patriots or the Calgary Stampeders in their leagues. Uh, these guys are the five-time defending national champions. They're a great program. Tom Sargent does a great job. He's been there 29 years, and they know how to win. And, you know, that's the obstacle we're facing. I mean, they've got returning, they're returning 13 of their 24 starters. They lost, like, some really key players, and but in saying that, when you wear that jersey, uh, you know, the kids think they believe they're automatically going to win. So you're, you're facing that obstacle. But as we told our guys last night, you're not 
playing the blue and gold jersey. You're not playing the aura of the Saskatoon Hilltops. You're playing the guys inside the jersey. And I really believe this. To a man, I think, uh, you know, I think if they give their 100% we give our 100 I think we're going to come out on top. I think uh, we're primed and ready. We've been at this for start going on our fourth year, and I think our guys are ready to go. So of the guys you have on the team that are experienced, yeah. that are returners, that have played Saskatoon in the past, is there some kind of intimidation factor maybe, or they know well, that? I, I, you know what? I think, like, I would say this, and, that, you know, when we've played them before, and, I mean, I would not just us, any team in the Canadian Junior Football League has played them, there's the, the aura of the Hilltops. But the thing is, our guys have played them enough times and, you know, I think and they also know, I mean, like they graduated like the best quarterback in the nation last year. Jordan Wall's a great player. Their tailback, he's a great player. He's no longer there. I mean, they lost five of their front seven guys. They lost some really good guys. But, I mean, they're going to replace them with good players. But there is, you know, there's always that mystique of that. But I think our guys for the first time going in, like it's not we hope we can hang with these guys. I think our guys in their hearts believe that we're ready to hang with them and let's, let's get in the ring and see what happens. How many returners do you have? We're starting. Like, I have our guys here, like, of our 24 that started the playoff game against them last year. We've lost essentially two on defense and uh, three guys on offense. So we're returning. You know, most of our starters are back. And, I mean, in all our key spots, uh, like our quarterbacks played. Now he's a third-year guy with the Raleigh New York. So we expect him to really step up and this to be his year. And with Brandon Urcioli and Matte Mitiango at, at running back, got a good old line, great receivers. And our defense is very good. They're a good – Workman-like group. I mean, our defense has been great last year. We expect them to be great again this year, so we're fired up. And how nice is it to be able to start the season against the defending champs and kind of have that litmus test for your group? It's great. Like I, I when we had our scheduling, I, I my request was I wanted to play them on the game. I would prefer, to be honest with you, I wanted to play them on the road. I wanted to go into Saskatoon and play them, but it's just the way the availability of fields and all that kind of stuff worked out. They're coming here, but no, no. I'm uh, last game we played last year was against Saskatoon. So we're well-versed on what it is they do and what they're all about. So it's it's great to play them the first game. We're really excited about it. Where do you figure you fit into the overall picture in the Prairies right now with, like, the Colts, well, Thunder, etc.? You know, yeah, I mean, obviously Saskatoon would be, you know, without question, they're going to be the number one team going into the season. But in saying that, I think uh, after that, you know, it's – Probably, again, like Regina will be a good team. Huskies will be a good team. What looks like the Wildcats have improved. Calgary is a wild card. You're not really sure. But I would say this is that I, I think we're, we're definitely be in the, in the hunt here to, to come out of the PFC. Like, we're, we're in the mix, and we have every reason to believe that, that we have every, just a good chance anyone to win. What are some names if people want to come out and check out the game, some names to watch on your squad? Yeah, so I mean, our, our quarterback, Riley Noyox, a third-year player out of St. Paul's. Riley's uh, stepped up. He's kind of assuming that leadership role. And Brandon Urcioli, who's a kid out of Murdoch, our tailback, and Mate Mitiango's a kid out of Miles Mack, are very good players. Uh, Luke McMillan at receiver and defense. Uh, a guy like uh, Mike and Stephen Hart. We have two brothers playing at linebacker. They're good players. Uh, Cole Sneezby, who's in bomber camp, is a good player. Uh, Troy Wilson, who was uh, in the bomber camp as well, he's, he's a good player. So we're pretty good. Those would be guys, Justin Kwiatkowski, one of our defensive linemen. So those are guys that you want to have a look at. And guys that have come through football, you know, through all the minor systems, be it at St. Vitale, Charleswood, et cetera, and gone through all the high school programs. These are Manitoba's team. Like, so out of our 76 guys, 70 of them are Manitoba kids. Do you like practicing in the heat? Yeah, well, you know what? You get loose, right? I mean, it's not so bad for me. Like For me, it's good. I don't know what for them, but yeah, it gets the tempers, you know, flared up a little bit here and there. But uh, 
the kids have uh, battled through the heat, and uh, this is our last real practice of the year, like of the week, I should say. And then next week we have, or tomorrow we have our pre-game practice. So it'll be obviously a little bit less intense, but this is the last real ramp having a good intense practice tonight and getting ready to go. Just a reminder, if anyone wants to go to the game on Sunday, it's 1 p.m. And where is it? And what's at, uh, the Hermitel Mustangs Field? That's where our, our facility is. So that's at the corner of St. Mary's in the perimeter. Um, so it's uh, right there. So everybody who's in the football community, I'm sure, is where we're St. Tells. But if they haven't been there, it's at the corner of St. Mary's in the perimeter, right by Maple Grove Rugby Park, where they have the, the big volleyball tournament concert thing they had a few weeks ago. Same location, more or less. Super you can see it right yeah. from the perimeter. And uh, yeah, and it's. So it's you know tickets will be available at the door, and if if you can't make it and you want to see the game, we live stream it on our website. So World Play uh, is the provider, and uh, we've got uh, got some great uh, guys doing the play-by-play and uh, color and stuff. So if you can't make it, you can certainly stream and watch it uh, live online and see what the Winnipeg Rifle Football is all about. All right, Jordy, I appreciate your time tonight. Go back to practice and uh, good luck on Sunday. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, we're ready to roll. Thank you. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?